the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the language of Psalm 2 is more idealistic than realistic. So the fulfillment of this psalm speaks of a future reality. And the book of Revelation speaks of the future reality. So therefore, it is logical that Revelation would contain references to Psalm chapter 2, and it does. As do other scripture verses, and we'll hear more about that as we share with you another edition of Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. We're going back to the book of Psalms today. We went through the 23rd Psalm a couple of months ago. Some of you may remember that. And today we begin with part one of a message from Psalm 2 as Pastor Leighton lays out some very fundamental truths for us to follow. You can find this ministry on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I think it's important for us in the times that we're living in, the place that we're living in, to, to really have what's important, important. Uh, keep the main thing, the main thing. Um, and I'll explain that in, in greater detail as we uh, go through the passage today. You know, when I was uh, young, I was in the youth group here at Church of the Highlands, and and from time to time, something would uh, happen, like a thought-provoking question somebody would ask. And, and uh, I can remember one of those thought-provoking questions um, that was asked when I was a youth. The, the question was, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Now, obviously, here we're not talking about Christian, the word in, in the definition of we're part of a Christian nation as distinct from a Muslim nation or a Hindu nation or whatever. We're not talking about that use of the word Christian. We're not talking about uh, Christian when it's used to describe a person who says that they're Christian because their grandma, who was Christian, prayed for them. Or that they come and, and they occupy a chair on, in a church on Sunday. We're talking about people who follow Christ. Will there be enough evidence to convict you? Um, it inspired me and others in our youth group to, to look at our lives and see if our professed Christianity really had any effect on our behavior. And that question it was stirred to my mind as I watched political candidates maneuver their campaigns. They all claim to be Christian because historically you can't get into that office in the land unless you profess to be a Christian. And yet, if they were put on trial for being Christian, I wonder if there would be enough evidence to convict them. Where are the godly candidates? Where are the godly leaders in America? Where is our nation headed? I am disturbed when the news is filled with stories of riots in the streets and murders. People acting as though there's no law of the land 
where there's no law from God and they're not going to be held accountable to God. Basically, anarchy in our nation. And I know from history that anarchy is always followed by totalitarianism. The anarchy in Germany in the early 30s was followed by a totalitarian dictator. Where is our nation headed? We're surrounded by chaos and cacophony and confusion. And it's important that in this time, in the history of our nation, that we maintain a biblical perspective in the coming months, lest we be swept up in the turmoil and our testimonies and our labors be made futile. This psalm, Psalm 2, helps us understand what's really taking place behind the scenes, what this is really all about. And it helps us keep in mind what is truly important, what is the main thing. It reads, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. And he will say to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. And I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm 2. Now when Jesus began his earthly ministry of preaching, his central theme was the kingdom of God. And every kingdom has a king, and Jesus Christ is the king of this newly announced kingdom. And if any psalm can be described as messianic, it's this one. Because Psalm 2 speaks of the rebellion of the world's rulers against God's anointed The actual word here is Messiah and the Father's decree to give him dominion over them. This declaration and the psalm's description of the hostile circumstances of their day made it one of the most quoted psalms of the writers of the New Testament. For instance, Psalm 2 is quoted in Acts chapter 2 by the earliest Christians following the release of Peter and John by the Sanhedrin. It reads, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. 
So even as early as Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts is the history of the early church. The second chapter, those early Christians connected Psalm 2, their, the description of the rebellion against God's anointed with Herod and Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel. It's also referenced again in Acts chapter 13. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, that he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Again, those who plotted Jesus' death were dismayed because he didn't stay dead. God raised him up. And then the author of Hebrews references Psalm 2 not once but twice in chapters 1 and 5. In chapter 1 of Hebrews, we find, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. It's referenced in multiple books. Now, the language of Psalm 2 is more idealistic than realistic, because obviously today this earth is still filled with peoples and nations that rage against God and his anointed. So the fulfillment of this psalm speaks of a future reality. And the book of Revelation speaks of the future reality. So therefore, it is logical that Revelation would contain references to Psalm chapter 2, and it does such as Revelation 2.27. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. And so Revelation speaks of the future, speaks of this as past tense. It has happened at some point in the future. And James Montgomery Boyce makes an interesting observation. He wrote, There is some evidence in both Jewish and Christian traditions that Psalm 2 was at one time joined to Psalm 1. Both psalms together being considered the first psalm. In the Jewish tradition, Rabbi Yohanan is quoted in the Talmud as having said, Every chapter that was particularly dear to King David, he commenced with happy or blessed, and terminated or ended with happy. He began with happy as in happy is the man, he terminated with happy as in happy are all that take refuge in him. These refer to the first verse of Psalm 1 and the last verse of Psalm 2, which indicates the two psalms were at one time considered to be a single literary unit. Now, Boyce continues, this throws light on how Psalm 2 should be taken, for the psalm is messianic, and if it was originally linked with Psalm 1, then the doctrine of the two ways introduced and explained in Psalm 1 is here carried forward, but at a higher pitch. On one hand, the way of sinners in Psalm 1 is now it now becomes a cosmic revolt of the nations against God and against his anointed. It becomes an unfolding of the wrong path and its consequences. It is by taking refuge in Jesus that the judgment awaiting the wicked can be avoided. Another scholar wrote, Psalm 1 deals with the word. Psalm 2 deals with the world. Psalm 1 contrasts the righteous with the ungodly. Psalm 2 contrasts the nations with their divine ruler. Psalm 1 deals with a particular, Psalm 2 with the universal. This is a messianic psalm. It foretells the installment of God's Messiah, God's Christ, God's Savior. And we cannot really fully understand this psalm 
until we realize that it is a description of the rebellion of the heart of man against God and not merely a depiction of some event in history where some king and his people revolted against King David or his successors. Now, that is an introduction. Let's dig deeper into this verse by verse. And you will have to join us tomorrow for that. At this same time, this is Verse by Verse, a broadcast outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And Leighton Sheely is the senior pastor. He's our daily teacher. Updates about the church can be found on the website, highlands.us. The creative ways that Church of the Highlands is reaching out at this time can be found on that website, including the daily devotionals presented on a rotating basis by various ministry staff from the church. The website again is highlands.us. And if you have a need we might be able to help you with at this unusual time, feel free to give us a call at 650-873-4095. That's 650-873-4095. Our needs at this time include prayer for this radio outreach and financial support. If you are able to help, you can do so through the website, again, highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Join us tomorrow as we'll continue in the book of Psalms, the second chapter, and study, as Pastor Layton said, verse by verse.